Good afternoon and welcome to the 330 Sports Show. My name is Justin Coffin. Today is September 5th, 2023. I'm joined in studio by Joe Danier. We're down here at Youngstown Studio. Make sure to follow us on social media at Youngstown Studio and at the numbers 330 Sports Show uh, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, Youngstown Studio on YouTube as well. Make sure to like and subscribe that. You'll get notifications pushed right to your phone. Um, so today's show, we're going to talk a ton of college football. A lot of stuff that went on this weekend, the goods, the bads. We're going to talk a lot of Ohio State. We're going to talk a lot of Youngstown State. Those two meet each other this weekend. Um, there's not a line out yet. I'm not expecting it to be a, a, a small line. It's probably going to be rather large. But um, YSU and Ohio State both get wins uh, on uh, this past weekend. YSU on Thursday night, Ohio State on Saturday. And then a lot of just wildness, uh, big wild weekend of uh, college football. Um, they kind of take Labor Day uh, by the horns now and make it their own holiday before the NFL kicks off this coming uh, Thursday night into the weekend. So um, let's talk about, uh, first of all, this weekend, it's pretty cool. We have uh, Youngstown State traveling down, uh, you know, you go 76 over through Akron, then you go down 71 to Columbus. Should be a fun weekend. I know there's uh, some charter buses going down. I know there's a bunch of uh, people from this area that you know, love both the Penguins and the Buckeyes. I'm going to be one of those people. I'll be down in, um, I think I'm going to be in Dublin on Saturday night, which is just west of Columbus, and then uh, down there for the game on Saturday, and then we'll see what <laughs> where the day takes me uh, on, on Saturday afternoon. So um, it is a noon kickoff, um, so looking forward to that. Uh, and, you know, again, I I think, Joe, you talked about, like, what can YSU players get out of this for for Saturday? And we'll we'll talk more about that on Thursday, maybe. But I think, you know, these are guys that have been competitive their whole life. A lot of these guys that play for YSU have always been the best player on their team, whether it's local, whether it's regional, national. And now they're going up against the best competition they're going to face. So I think this is like that step up and challenge and just see how you match up now. Odds are, uh, you know, Ohio State's going to have the better athlete at almost every position, but that doesn't mean they're going to win every, every you know, um, play on the field. And so, you know, you put your cards out there and see what happens. So that's kind of where I stand with that. Um, what do you, like, what... I don't I don't know how much of the game you're going planning on watching or whatever, but what do you, like, want to see out of this game for either team? So I, I like the fact that the, you know, the, the school gets some extra publicity. They get yes. a nationally televised game. Uh, the only thing I don't like is when you're a premier athlete in your division, like mm -hmm. your, your set, your, your school. And if you get blown away yeah. and embarrassed, right. And, and I think that's the only part I don't like about yeah. it is it's not going to be an even match and you can't really do anything to make it. Yeah. Even. Yeah. And I saw, you know, like Oregon played um, Portland state or something this weekend and put it, 81 points on them this right. weekend, you know? So there are going to be those blowouts and, and whatnot, but YSU is going to go down there and fight and, and claw and scrap for everything they get. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I don't think anyone's expecting them to win, but, um, you know, hopefully they make Youngstown proud. They go out and play tough. And so uh, as a coach, 
yeah. like you, you when you talk to your players and you let them know that they're playing a skewed game anyhow yeah like how do you make it so that they don't get injured on the ego side well i i've been on both sides of that where we've had this both the superior team i've coached both the superior team um and and i've been on the other side where it was like oh man we're, we're going against the juggernaut here but i think you you kind of take the same mindset into that game of like hey we can control what we can control go out there and do the best you can to execute our game plan and at the end of the day if you gave everything you got that's that's all you can do you know win or lose if you if you did everything in your power uh you know that's you got to be happy with the effort you know what i'm saying so there's going to be certain things where you know the the guy across from you is is just better wins the play but if you go out and compete and uh you know again you you let the chips fall how they may yeah that, and, that's and honestly if you can get a couple of plays on the highlight highlight reel against yeah. the ohio state university yeah, right. it's a big deal right exactly and you know some of these players for ysu have dreams of making it to the nfl right. you know we know there's probably going to be four or five buckeyes that go in the first round probably 10 12 guys that go drafted in the nfl next year but ysu might have a couple of guys that either a get drafted or b you know are gonna fight for uh an undrafted free agent and like jaleel mclaughlin who just made the the denver broncos roster you got um rivers down there in houston he made their roster a couple other guys throughout the league that are either on practice squads or on the 53 so um you know it's 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 gonna be fun and i'm not expecting a close game but i am hoping ysu can uh you know play tough get after it and and you know hopefully for ohio state as i root for both teams uh you know can can kind of go out and and do what they need to do as well to be successful so being a youngstown native and an ohio state grad it's kind of a weird um you know it's kind of a weird demographic not demographic it's kind of a weird um dynamic that it's like I don't know. You know, it's like I want Ohio State to win because they have more on the line. Why is you can still lose and get in the playoffs? They can lose a couple times, especially they're not expected to lose this game. If Ohio State, they, you know, if they played this game a thousand times, it might be close, you know, of 10 times out of that. But um, it was funny. I was at um, I was at a local establishment and watching some of the Ohio State game and they were struggling a bit on Saturday. And one of the, one of the bartenders comes up and be like, I think I think we got a chance against the Buckeyes <laughs> this weekend. And I, yeah. I just like shook my head and I just said, I mean. Yeah, no. So, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's just Ohio State is just such a special like I think they are the second most talented team by like, you know, by the recruiting rankings that they go like four and five star rankings. I think Ohio state, like 67 of their 85 guys are either four or five star, which is like, you know, the top of the heap when it, when it comes down to that. And then um, I saw in the big 10, like Ohio state's leaps and bounds above Penn state and Michigan, whose leaps and bounds above everybody else. Yeah. So it's just like another level of athlete that's yeah, going to be on the field. Recruiting can come from a huge sample size. Like exactly. They can go national mm -hmm. and YSU is a little bit more limited as to yeah. who they're sampling. At. Exactly. But, you know, again, I don't want to sell YSU short because they have some great athletes and they're going to get after it. And, uh, but, you know, 
we'll, we'll talk more about the Ohio State Youngstown State game, but let's focus on what Youngstown State did this past weekend before we get into the Buckeyes. And this is what they did against uh, Valparaiso on Thursday night. They uh, start the season off one and zero. Mitch Davidson, uh, 160. Well, Mitch Davidson ended up with 130 yards passing. Um, Bo Brungard, the backup quarterback, came in had a had a few uh, yards passing, but uh, one touchdown through the air. 304 yards on the ground as a team uh, and five touchdowns uh, for the Penguins on the ground. Uh, Tyshawn King actually is the backup running back uh, for Dre Rushton, and he came in, had 11 carries for 111 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, their, their leading back did not even uh, play in this game. Just, I think, precautionary reasons keep him out. And then Bryce Oliver, a transfer from uh, Kentucky, uh, five receptions, 65 yards, and uh, the defense only allowed 169 yards through the air. Um, I actually have to correct that. That's what YSU had, but they um, had less than that uh, through the air, and then six only 63 yards allowed, and if you subtract the sack total out of that, only 40 yards uh, on the ground. So the defense for YSU should be very, very stacked, uh, and they rack up a 52 to 10 win over Valparaiso. So now your prediction was pretty close. You were in the forties, right? Yeah, I, I had, I think I had 42, 10. 42 so 10. yeah, pretty close, yeah. pretty close. My Ohio state one, not as close, but uh, <laughs> you know, it, you know, yeah, it is what it is. So, um, so again, here's what YSU has coming up. We all know the game against Ohio state uh, this weekend, but then you got Robert Morris back here at home and then a big one in conference at Northern Iowa. We'll talk about those games uh, as the season progresses. But YSU does get into the top 25 in the FCS. So they are now ranked the number 25 team. And you have six uh, Missouri Valley football conference teams in there. You got South Dakota State, number one, North Dakota State, number two. North Dakota, number 17, Northern Iowa, who, again, is their fourth game of the year, number 21, Southern Illinois, number 24, and then YSU there at 25. And uh, should be a very difficult conference schedule. But, again, playing Ohio State prepares you for these games because, again, you're not going to play a better opponent than Ohio State. Teams in the Big Ten are not going to play a better opponent than Ohio State. Now, Penn State and Michigan are both very, very good teams this year. So we will see about that. But YSU, uh, you know, prepping for that, um, you know, big, uh, tough conference schedule that they do have. So um, real quick, before we get into the Buckeyes, I just want to run through uh, the uh, depth chart for YSU. Now I have the starters uh, underline. So Mitch Davidson, Dre Rushton, again, is your running back, but he did not play. He was held out. Tyshawn King steps in, has over 100 yards. Bryce Oliver, Max Tomzak, who, by the way, his father was a quarterback at Ohio State. Uh, Mike Tomzak played for both the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And CJ Charleston, who I believe had uh, a receiving touchdown in the game uh, for YSU the other night. Jake uh, Benino is uh, the tight end. And then you can see your offensive lineman there. We'll talk uh, plenty to them. And we have two of them uh, scheduled uh, for guests on our show. On the defensive side of the ball, uh, defensive line is very stout. Uh, and, you know, this defensive line is going to make some noise, I think, uh, throughout uh, the um, throughout the season. Oh, and excuse me, um, uh, Max is Mike's nephew, not his son. So my apologies there. Um, but 
we're going to have a lot of uh, talent on the defense here this year. And then um, you got Marcus Hooker back there on defense and special teams, and he's going to do a really, really nice job. Uh, and it's going to be interesting because he's going to be playing his former team. He was an Ohio State commit early on in his career. So um, that's a look at the YSU depth chart. I'll put that out on social, and you can kind of see how uh, how that goes. All right, so um, now let's talk a little bit about the matchup and just some of the connections here. So obviously we know the Jim Trestle connection. Uh, Doug Phillips uh, was a former assistant, I believe a GA at Ohio State before going on to Cincinnati, Iowa State, whatnot. Uh, Mike Tomzak, uh, John Haycock, uh, Marcus Hooker, TC Caffey, right from right here, um, is a Buckeye running back. He's from Hubbard High School. Obviously, we know Maurice Claret, and there's lots of, of other connections, but those are some of the bigger ones. Um, but this game will kick off on Saturday. Uh, the time is going, I believe it is a noon game as of now, and it will be on the Big Ten Network. Um, so uh, YSU um, and Ohio State in the horseshoe in Columbus should be a lot of fun and uh it's going to be some really good stuff coming up this weekend in Columbus. So um, shoot us some pictures, shoot us some uh, information. If you want that shared out on our social media page, we would be happy to do that. All right, let's switch gears and talk about the Ohio State Buckeyes, who again will be taking on Youngstown State this weekend down in Columbus. So just kind of a game recap, uh, you know, start off the season 23-3, so a 20-point win against a conference opponent doesn't sound super impressive. And I know Indiana's been down the last two years, but they really dominated the game. Look at the total yardage, 380 to 153. The Buckeye defense really, really got after it. Passing, they held a 237 to 82 advantage. Rushing, 143 yards, so nearly, oh, actually doubled up. Um Versus Indiana 71. I gave Chip Trainum, uh, Trayonum, excuse me, the running back. Uh, he's actually from right here in the 330 as well. He's from Akron Hoban High School in Cade Stover, the players of the game on offense. And I gave Denzel Burke and Sonny Styles the player of the game on defense for the Buckeyes. Their defense is absolutely loaded, which over the last few years, the offense has kind of carried uh, the Buckeyes and the defense has struggled. Maybe this year it flips a little bit until the offense kind of gets in rhythm, kind of gets uh, its feet under them, gets the quarterback situation figured out, and they can like start churning the ball out. So um, let's take a look at Kyle McCord. He now this was the biggest. Uh, this was the biggest. Uh, how do I want to say? Like confusing aspect of this game for me. Um, Ryan Day stated that it was a quarterback competition between uh, Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. Kyle McCord uh, played basically every meaningful snap in this game. Uh, Devin Brown had one series in the first half, and there were three rushing plays. <laughs> so he didn't even get to throw the ball. So to me, that's not a true competition. That tells me they maybe trust Kyle McCord a little bit more, or conspiracy theory joe okay. i've I, I read on uh twitter or x what are we calling it we're calling it x yeah 
Okay. So what happens if somebody tweets? Are we calling it X's? X's. Sure. <laughs> they X. They X. I don't know. It sounds funny. But uh, so on Twitter and uh, a few, you know, Buckeye fans, just again, playing conspiracy theorists here is they said Ryan Day kind of threw out um, Kyle McCord out there. So he would have maybe a lackluster performance. So Devin Brown could be, you know, can like get out there and show his stuff more. And then he can supplant him and, and become the starting quarterback. I don't know. Like that does, that sounds it. too far-fetched. To yeah. Me. If your job's on the line, you're not going to take that big of a gamble. Yeah, no, no way. way. No way. So no, I'm, I'm thinking that you take the rookie quarterback and yep. you, you hope he has a stellar day. And, Agreed. And it, fell a little short yeah yeah and i mean both of these guys are very raw kyle mccord had one career start before this it was against akron and he did okay in that game like had through for 300 yards but you know didn't have a like super great game but uh overall kyle mccord goes 20 of uh 33 which is about 61 percent 239 yards not terrible no touchdowns did have the one interception that was on a fourth down play where um, really didn't have anybody open and just kind of threw it up for grabs. So I can let that interception kind of go. I will tell you what, I was so disappointed after this game, um, like immediately. And then I think like after I thought about it a little bit and like let things process, I started to like come down and be like, you know what? It really wasn't all that bad. So I don't know. Did do, did you check out any of the game? You know, I looked at stats after yeah. the highlight reel and, you know, I wasn't upset about anything. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think as football fans, we we lose patience. As yeah. Someone developing, you go from somebody who's fully developed and three years under their belt to yep. someone brand new. Mm-hmm. And we want them to hit the ground running. I just don't think that's the case anymore. It's too I, competitive. I agree. And Ohio State actually in its last four uh, games, they've started the season that have been on the road. They've They've trailed in all of those except for this Indiana game. They were only up 10 to three at the half. And it just like was very sluggish, very slow, just didn't have a rhythm to it. And that's where I think a lot of fans were getting upset. You know, there was there wasn't a whole lot of rhythm and offense where last year, I mean, we're putting up 41 points against the number one team in the country, the best defensive team, maybe, uh, you know, on on the field at all last year with Georgia and then you come in and you have you have trouble scoring against Indiana. So as a gambling person, yeah, halfway through the season who's your quarterback? That's a good question. I I have been on like more like team Devin Brown. Um I think I think he has more upside. I think McCord maybe, you know how we say like ceiling and floor. I think I think McCord's baseline floor is a little bit higher whereas Devin Brown's ceiling could be much higher than than uh Kyle McCord I I think they're both very good but I think Devin Brown might have that like little bit of it factor that little bit of like intangible that can maybe get out of the pocket make a play stuff like that where whereas Kyle McCord um you know I've I've have some friends that uh aren't super high on him and don't don't think he's like special. They think he's just like an average quarterback. So, and honestly, let's be honest as, as Ohio state fans, um, we're pretty, we're pretty damn spoiled, you know, like, I, you know, it's like, we're so used to winning big, 
having the best players on the field. And when things don't necessarily go perfect, you know, it's like, oh, fire Ryan Day, like replace the, you know, people were calling for CJ Stroud to be benched for Kyle McCord uh, two years ago. So it's, it, it's just a little bit ridiculous. Um, but what I will say is they need to have a starting quarterback in place by next weekend. Like that's you, you play Notre Dame in two weeks. You got YSU this weekend. You have Western Kentucky the weekend after that. It's like you better have, and Western Kentucky gave up like 600 yards of offense this past weekend. So, um, these next two weeks, better be a good showcase for both of these quarterbacks they better get the ball out they better get the ball you know to their playmakers which they really didn't do this weekend and honestly ryan day like i know you want to hide some stuff before the notre dame game i know you don't want to show everything but it's like you could at least you could call aggressive plays still without showing too much you know you have maybe the two best receivers in the country and between them both had five total catches on, on Saturday. That's just not going to do it. So, so do you unleash Brown this weekend against YSU? I, I think that this is just me. And obviously Ryan, Ryan day is above my pay grade. Ryan day gets paid over $9 million a year to, uh, to make these tough decisions. But uh, I would personally play one in the first quarter, one in the second quarter, and then whoever plays better, let him play the second half and let that guy be your starter for game three. Now I, cause this like two series, three series, one series, whatever it might be. I I don't think that's good for the team. I don't think that's good for um, a guy looking over his shoulder. If he makes a mistake, like it was funny, Devin Brown's one series that he did get in the first half was right after Kyle McCord through the, the interception. And like, to me, if I'm McCord, I'm like, Oh shit, they benched me after I threw that interception and, you know, so that's just my personal opinion is like, you don't want guys looking over their shoulders and you could say, Hey, we have a really good situation in case that guy does get hurt, but you got to pick one guy and go with them. I think that's good for the team. I think that's good for the coaching staff. I think that's good for the teammates. So I don't know, just my opinion. Would you, what, when would you pick the starter <laughs> or would you already have had yeah, them? I, I would have no matter what, I would have had my guy bought in already. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I just think so much more confidence comes in when everybody knows who the main guy is. Yes. 100% agree. But, you know, the schedule allows you to do some playing around with that, these early opponents. And I think that's a great point because I think, you know, you look at Indiana, YSU, Western Kentucky, then you have Notre Dame, who has looked really good the first two weeks. Uh, even though they haven't played like the top-notch competition, but they've looked really good in their games. They only do what you can do, but they're going to be ready to play. You know, and they. Can we just call this the preseason? Like the first three games? <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah. It honestly is for Ohio State, but at the same time, too, you don't want to be dicking around, you know, with the quarterback situation. But yeah, I I think that's a good way of looking at it. It's like, um, you know, figure it out. You got. You got one more game to figure yep. it out. And then game three, that should be your dress rehearsal yes. going into your 100%. big time first game. So um, here's what I was most disappointed about. Marvin Harrison Jr., probably the best player in the country. Maybe not the first overall draft pick next year, but probably the best player pound for pound. By the way, 6'3", 215, 
same measurables as a uh, former president that was recently <laughs> arrested. <laughs> I mean, they, they look pretty much identical. Similar, anyway, anyway, similar. anyway, not a political show here, <laughs> but uh, only had two receptions for 18 yards, which is, you know, do the math, nine yards a catch, no touchdowns. He did have a touchdown and he uh, stepped out of bounds, um, you know, and you can't do that. You can't step out of bounds and then be the first person to touch it. So that was like a 30 yard touchdown. So his numbers, you know, three for 50 and a touchdown look a heck of a lot better. But see, when there's a quarterback competition, uh -huh. I look for like a conservative play. Like really, if, if you put mm -hmm. yourself out there and want to show that you can, you know, take your offense down, score points and whatever. I don't see a Harrison type of thing developing until later on when that once that quarterback's established. Yeah. And that and that that could be very fair. Like like you know, establishing a rhythm, establishing a rapport with a guy. And a lot of people will say, well, oh, well, Harrison and uh, McCord played together in high school. That doesn't, I mean, that was three years ago, at least, you know? So, you know, that, that rapport might be there, but um, who's to say a guy that didn't play at the same high school, you know, they might have a better rapport. So right. it is what it is. And would you, as you if you mm -hmm. were a quarterback that were vying for a starting position, would you mm -hmm. take unneeded risks? And down the field to Harrison would be a risk of that's a, interception. That, yeah. That's a really excellent point. I Yeah, they might be afraid to make the mistake as opposed to just playing with confidence, letting it fly, letting it loose. Yep. That's a great point. I, I never thought about that. That's a, that's a really interesting way of thinking about that. Yeah, being afraid to make a mistake as opposed to just going out and playing loose. I like that. I, I Yeah, and hopefully both of these guys can get out there, play loose, and, and see what happens. So... Um, one of the biggest disappointments and, and these guys should be judged tough because you have the two best wide receivers in the country, arguably maybe the three best wide receivers in the big 10. Um, but look at, so this is Ohio state's 1000 yard receivers in their entire history. Two of them were last year. So Marvin Harrison and Emeka Abuka, excuse me, um, had the number four and five seasons ever receiving yardage in Ohio State history last season. 1,263 yards for Harrison. Abuka had 1,151. They combined for five catches uh, and not very many yards, not even uh, sniffing 100 yards on um, Saturday. So that needs to get cleaned up. Because, you know, these guys are your playmakers. These are the guys that if you do happen to win the Big Ten, if you do happen to play for a national championship, these are the two of the, you know, five or ten guys on your team that are going to get you over the top and get there. Because look at those wide receiver lists. Jackson Smith and Jigba, NFL rookie, possibly rookie of the year. David Boston, former NFL star. Terry Glenn, former NFL star. Um Chris Carter, Hall of Famer. Michael Jenkins, one of the best receivers in Ohio State history. Paris Campbell, NFL guy. Garrett Wilson, NFL rookie of the uh, year on offense last year. And you throw these two guys in there, they might just be just as good, if not better, than a lot of those guys on the list. So um, get your guys and get those guys that are your stars um, the ball. So, uh, And I think that's on Ryan Day. I think that's on the coaching staff to do that and put their guys in the best position to succeed. Um, now, I did mention the running game was pretty solid. Here were the three top running backs from the game. Now, I mentioned Chip Trayonum. He is a kid from uh, Akron Hoban High School. 
So just right down the road, eight carries, 57 yards. Um, he run, he ran the ball. And I saw Maurice Claret even tweet, uh, tweeted out. He's like, he runs like me. He runs hard. He runs tough. He always falls forward. Um, this is a guy that was playing both running back and fullback in the game, which you don't see very often. Um, but he was a lead blocker some of the times. He snuck out of the backfield um, for some receptions. But this guy runs hard. And he might be, might be, one of your top two running backs this season. I don't know. Travion Henderson gets a lot of love. He is your most explosive guy. Mayan Williams is like a touchdown machine when he touches the ball. But, uh, you know, these guys compare, uh, combined for 27 carries and roughly about 120 yards. Um, not great average per carry. They got to clean that up. And again, that's on the offensive line to give McCord time, to give Devin Brown time, whoever's behind center, and uh, push that offensive line or push that defensive line, I should say, and get after it a bit. So that is, uh, that is a look at the Buckeyes and uh, what they did this past weekend. Again, take a deep breath, take it with a grain of salt. Like Joe said, it's kind of preseason. Yep. So, I, I mean, you can't go out and lose. That would be devastating, but you got to go out and win. And sometimes you got to win more convincingly than others, but hopefully that's a tune up and they're ratcheting up. And, you know, there's the cliche you'll get, you know, the best you are from week one to week two or that last game to your bowl game, stuff like that. So we will see what uh, ends up happening with Ohio State and Youngstown State this weekend. But hopefully both teams um, are after it, you know, no injuries. Uh, so both teams can have a, a great rest of their season. And, you know, hopefully Youngstown State makes us proud. Hopefully Ohio State makes us proud and they get after it. You know, like I said last week, it sounds cheesy, but it's like I just want to hold up a sign and say, I hope both teams have fun. Yeah, right. But, uh, you know. Very yeah. infrequently <laughs> as, a, as a football fan, do you, no matter what happens, you're going to be pleased in some way. Yeah, yeah, and that's a good point because uh, this, this is one of the only times because it's like I have one NFL team, I have – one FCS team. I have one FBS team, but like for, for basketball, I have one team for baseball. I got one team. So it's like, you know, I don't really root too much for other teams. It's like, I focus on the teams I root for, which, you know, I think you guys know I'm, I'm a Cleveland guy. I'm a Youngstown guy. I'm an Ohio state guy. And that's, that's through and through, you know, every now and then, if there's a, a bet, you know, that's made, which we're going to talk about next. Like, uh, like I take TCU and just throw them in a parlay and maybe, um, the first 10 teams of that 11 team parlay hit. And then, uh, TCU just screws you <laughs> 45, 42. So Joe, you might like this. So remember when LeBron went down to Miami and they were like, they, they had this, uh, they had this like pep rally and stuff like that. And so Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosch, LeBron are standing on stage and he's like, how many championships are you guys going to win? Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, whatever it was. And then, so I said, how many parlays did Colorado beating TCU kill for me this weekend? Not one, <laughs> not two, not three, not four, but Colorado was a 20 and a half point underdog and wins 45, 42, you know, tip the hat. You know, it didn't. I believe me. I'm not. I'm. I'm gonna be okay after it. But it, 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 it stunk because um, all I needed was the money line. I didn't even take the spread, and that's the nature of gambling, right, Joe? So Gonzaga. Gonzaga. <laughs> yeah, Gonzaga must must have uh, really really hurt you in the past because you always reference Gonzaga. 
but sticking with um, sticking with Colorado real quick, Travis Hunter, uh, last year's number one player in the country that went to Deion uh, Sanders, uh, was recruited by Deion, went to Jackson State, which is an FCS school, uh, and and number one player in the c- country, went to Florida, well, committed to Florida State, went to Jackson State when Dion went there, and then transferred to Colorado once Dion went there. Um, and he played both receiver and corner. He played 144 snaps in over 100-degree weather in, in Fort, Fort Worth, Texas. I know. And that's Texas heat. And, and that was, uh, I mean, unbelievable. He had three pass breakups in the game one interception he had 11 catches for nearly 120 yards so how many other sports you got to train for both 120 degree weather mm-hmm. and negative four degree weather yeah right exactly yeah because you know in boulder colorado late in the season there's probably going to be some snow and it's going to yeah. probably be frigid so right. that's very that's a great point there but i wanted to put up there like some of the best two-way players in college football history the guy that sticks out for me um most recently for Ohio State was Chris Gamble, but Charles Woodson won the Heisman. Champ Bailey was an awesome, awesome corner, played a ton of years in the NFL. Um, and Jabir, Jabril Peppers, who Browns fans might remember, uh, was, you know, Michigan kind of pumped him up as a Heisman uh, guy a few years back, but played a little running back, played a little safety, and then uh, a few other guys on that Where, list. Where is Peppers so, right now? Is he still he, in the NFL? Yeah, he was um, last check. He was with the the Giants, I believe. He's kind of floated around. So he went, you know, from the Browns to um, oh, he was with a handful of teams. They traded him, I know, to the Giants. But then he went to two or three other teams. So he's he's somewhere floating around, and and he's been a good NFL player, not a great NFL player, but a good one. So yeah, yeah we kind of watch all of our our offensive that we hemorrhage out <laughs> into the rest of the NFL mm-hmm. to see what they become. And there, there aren't a whole lot that end up like going upwards. Yeah, they, uh, right. Stay the same. One, one guy that's r- really great because I hear his name a lot now with the Buffalo Bills is Jordan Poyer. And he was yes. just like a special teams guy with the Browns. And he's now like one of the best safeties in the NFL. So, you know, good for them. Um, and But hopefully the Browns start acquiring more of those players than losing more yes. of those players. Right. But you're right. Not a whole lot of guys have left and been like, Damn, you know, that couple offensive linemen that I can think of and stuff like that. A couple but, linebackers, yeah, yeah. one wide receipt, one uh, tight end. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah a there, of them. There's been a couple guys that have went on to better things. But, you know, um, when you're when you're with the Browns in the mid teen years, that those were some rough rough years but this year which we're not going to talk about the browns today we'll get to that uh we will get to the browns on thursday there'll be lots of browns talk but uh um you know they're they're very loaded this year and i'm very excited about that so um a couple other college football notes so um we talk about stock prices and stuff and we say stock up stock down so i'm going to give like most impressive most disappointing but like stock up for florida state who just blew the doors off of LSU um, in the second half. LSU was up 17 to 14 at halftime. And I think Florida State scored 28 or 31 unanswered points and just whooped them. So Florida State, most impressive team of the week for me. Utah, 
They also played, they were playing at the same time as YSU on Thursday night. Utah just whooped the Florida Gators. Now the score, I think it was like 24-11, but they dominated that game. They just dominated from Colorado. You got to put Colorado up there. I saw the the AP poll just came out. They're they're in that top 25. That was a 1 and 11 team last year and they beat TCU who was um now it's not the same TCU team that played in the national championship game last year, but it's still the same program that went, you know, uh, 12 and two or whatever it was last year, 13 and two, and, uh, you know, played for a national title. So Colorado and Deion Sanders doing great things there. Washington, uh, beat up Boise state this weekend, did a great job. North Carolina knocked off its, uh, uh, cross state rival, South Carolina. And then how about last night? Duke of all Duke <laughs> just whooped Clemson last night, just whooped them. And I saw it was a Michigan guy that tweeted it out of all people. They said um, that COVID year when Ohio State beat Clemson in that 2020 playoff game, they said that broke their football program. And that was that was cool for a Michigan guy to say that. Um, and because no, there's a lot of people that are not huge Dabo Swinney fans, and I'm one of them. <laughs> but uh, but. You know, Duke just what a win for them. And that was not Duke basketball. Uh, that was Duke football last night with a huge, huge win over Clemson. And then um, the other disappointing team I had this this uh, weekend, maybe not by their own fault because of their coaching situation and whatnot, but Northwestern, your, your uh, Rutgers uh, Scarlet Knights just blew out blew out Northwestern. So if we're talking big 10 relegation before, I think you're right with Northwestern. Uh, they might, they might get the, uh, they might get the boot. If, if we were doing relegation what was your disappointment so. with LSU, Oh, LSU, just like LSU came into that game against Florida state and was the better team. In my opinion, I think Florida state had the better quarterback. LSU had the better roster. Brian Kelly, not a huge fan, mm. former Notre Dame coach, but LSU's second half was an absolute embarrassment. Florida State just destroyed them from that first kickoff of the second half till till the final whistle. So um, very, very disappointing um, for LSU. And they were the number five ranked team preseason coming in. Florida State number eight. Um, but, you know, so a, so a pretty, you know, equally matched game but florida state just dominated them and it was cool to see so um let's uh let's switch to another disappointment and a, <laughs> and a clown let's talk about jim harbaugh who did oh, not coach did not coach uh his his game michigan does win 30 to 3 over east carolina who's not very good um uh, but he said at a press conference there's no offense there's no defense there's weak there's a weak fence and I just wanted I see this, to puke. Uh, hammer and sickle there. Like <laughs> that's pretty uh so I just dramatic. Threw, I just threw in the clown emoji there just for <laughs> just for fun. Cause Michigan, I, you know, you have to give them credit. They've been very, very good over the last two seasons. Very Harbaugh good. Harbaugh is Satan. He, no is, where he is he and Satan and <laughs> Satan and a clown. So maybe what, what was that guy that uh, he was a ser Ted Bundy? Was yes. that him that That's was the, dressed yeah. up as a clown? So I'm not comparing him. I'm not saying he's a serial killer, but 
he's maybe like a psychopath like those guys. He's so. on he's on the trail. He's <laughs> yeah. on his way. Yeah, he's he's just a straight up weirdo. So um, <laughs> let's go to another team that has been totally agonized. And I feel for Nebraska because Nebraska is you could argue Nebraska is one of the blue bloods of college football based on like the past hundred years or so they've, you know, won multiple national titles, had a amazing run, but uh, over the last several years under Scott Frost and now Matt rule in his first game, they have just lost some unbelievably heartbreaking games. They are now seven and 26 in one possession. So seven or less points. Um, they have to be the most tormented fan base in all of college football. So ugh, feel for that. That's rough. Man. I mean, it's, it's honestly like it reminded me of being a Cleveland Browns fan uh, for a long time because it would almost be like you'd manufacture new ways to lose. Yep. And there, there's no worse feeling of being a fan of a team and then getting empathy from like an opposing fan base because when a uh, when another team like hates you or doesn't like you, it's like okay, well, it's probably because we're at least good and we're competing. But it's like when it when fan bases start feeling bad for another, it's like oh man, that's like a new level of low. You know what I mean? It's like well, programs like Nebraska and Wisconsin, like mm -hmm. they're up and they're elevated and put on the pedestal, so their fall is harder because mm -hmm. when they when they have those off years, it's it's dramatic. Yeah, and Wisconsin. A Wisconsin off year might be six and six or seven and five for Nebraska. They've had some three and nines. They've had some four and eights. Right. It's, it's unfortunate because, and who did they fire uh, a couple coaches ago? Bo Pelini. He won nine, maybe 10 games every year. And it's like, that wasn't good enough. And now it's like, well, maybe look at what you, you know, exactly. what, what you've done. And, and so I don't know, but maybe that's a little karma for uh firing. <laughs> coach Bo. So, uh, so we'll see. I'd, I'd like to hear Bo Pelini's opinion on that. If, uh, he'd ever share it. So yeah, is he, is he a guest on the show? In the well, future? I, I don't have him booked, but if anybody out there has got coach Bo's number and have, I'll, I'll send you mine and he can text me and I would love to get coach. We have Bo friendly here. Yes. Oh, and yeah. you know, I have, uh, I have, I have some, uh, family and friends that that know some uh, former Nebraska players and maybe we can uh, get in touch with Bo because I, I think he'd have some great great stories <laughs> too so yep. um if and by the way if you on Twitter or X like we were talking about one of my favorite accounts to follow is Bo Pelini it's like a parody account but it's uh it's it's so great it's it, that's all I'll say just go follow it if you can so all right going to Chip Kelly um <sighs> New rule in college football. We didn't talk about this. The clock does not stop on first downs until the final two minutes of each half. I've completely disregarded talking about that uh, before because I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. It's a huge deal. It like shaves a ton of possessions off. And Chip Kelly said it best. I think he said, these new rules are crazy. We have four drives in the first half. Normally it'd be like six or seven. Um, hope you guys are selling a lot of commercials. So obviously... Not a but, fan. Well, yeah, not a fan. And I think a lot of cult like Indiana, for example, I think was playing to not get blown out. They weren't playing to win. They were playing to shorten the game. Uh, now, maybe as a major underdog, you're going to do that anyway. But it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out. But this is a rule I would like them to maybe go away from. Maybe um, 
maybe even find a happy medium, maybe like in the first quarter, in the third quarter, you don't stop the clock. And maybe in the second and the fourth, you do. I don't know what it is, but uh, I think that that should be uh, adjusted in my opinion. So do you like the college football role of the time change or, or like how it was before? I like the way that it was before. Okay. So it's basically the same as the NFL now in the sense of the NFL clock doesn't stop on any first downs, I believe. And, and until it's under a certain time, but um, I, I would, I like college football to be college football. Yeah. You know, there's going to be certain things that are different and I get it, but they're saying player safety too to shorten the game. No, it's for no. revenue. It's for money. Yes. And you're, you're adding more games on with the playoffs and whatnot. And you're traveling. It's, I don't like it. So just my opinion. All right. So here is a look at the current look at the power five conferences. You will see way, 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 way down at the bottom. The Pac-12 has two teams, Oregon State, Washington State, um, as of next football season. Now, um, this was an interesting stat uh, that I'll show you in a minute. But look (laughs) at this. So this was a map of the ACC, the Atlantic Coast Conference. Atlantic. When you think of Atlantic, you probably think of the Atlantic Ocean. Ocean, which is on the East Coast. Yes. So when you add teams like SMU, which is in uh, the Houston, Dallas area of Texas, not Atlantic. And then let's go even further. Let's go out to Cal, which is in Berkeley, which is right by San Francisco and Stanford, not too far from there. Palo Alto as well. So if you go Cal to Miami on a plane, 2,598 miles. If you go Cal to Boston College, it is 2,698 miles. If you wanted to make that drive, Joe, I know you 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 know do the RV and stuff and, and go cross country a lot. You're going to add a couple hundred miles to that because you're not in a plane where you're you're hitting it straight. So, what's your thoughts on the Atlantic Coast Conference adding those three schools? So I'm going to take an out West trip and I'm going to Maine. That's the way I feel about it. (laughs) It's like um, uh, Drew Carey. Do you remember that show? Whose line is it anyway? He's like, welcome to the, welcome to whose line is it anyway, where there's no rules and the points don't even matter. It's (laughs) like, welcome to college football where uh, conference names and uh, geography doesn't matter. (laughs) Even though it's like the only one that really still applies. And they're probably the the dumbest (laughs) region of the country. My apologies to anyone from the South, but the Southeastern Conference at least has teams from the Southeast. You know what I mean? The ACC, they got to rebrand that real soon. So, and the Big 10, 12, 14, 19, yeah. 17. Well, and the Pac 12, which Pac-12, now has 19. two, and the Big 12 now has 18 or 16. So it's, I don't know, but <laughs> a feather in the cap of the Pac 12 this weekend. In the last 40 years, the only conference to go 13 and 0 in. Uh, in a to start the season is the Pac-12 this season, which is pretty amazing. So, hats off to those teams for uh, getting off on the right foot. And they beat some pretty good schools. They knocked off Florida. Uh, there were some other big wins in there. Uh, Boise State uh, lost to Washington, so not bad. So, um, so that's all for college football. Before we wrap up, Joe, though, I want to. Um, I didn't get time last week to talk about Bob Barker who passed away. And then uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before Jimmy Buffett passed away. So two icons of TV and music. And I like to sprinkle in some pop culture in on this show. And these guys are such a part of our, um, 
zeitgeist or whatever you want to call it. But uh, they are, you know, you say Bob Barker, you know who the price is right is, right. whether you're an 18 year old or a 75 year old. You talk about Jimmy Buffett. Everybody knows Jimmy Buffett, right. whether you love the music or you don't, you know who Jimmy Buffett is. So rest in peace to those guys. Do you have before we close out, do you have a, like a favorite? Do you watch the prices or did you watch the prices right as a kid? Every time I skip school. Yes. 100%. I think a lot of people associate the prices right with not going to school <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because it was on at what, like 11 a.m. Yeah. So it's like Bob uh, Barker, me and chicken noodle soup got along <laughs> great. Oh, even those hooky days too, when you were probably ordering <laughs> pizza out or something. So, <laughs> do you have a favorite uh, prices right game? Oh, man. The yodeler guy. Yes, that's mine too. Really? Yodely. <laughs> Where you got to get it within yes. X amount or it goes up, increases by dollars. That game's hard. I would say that or Plinko for me. Yeah, Plinko's you know, good. There, there's some other games. I've, I've, uh, usually I work from home or do stuff at home on Wednesdays. And so Wednesday, when I'm like getting lunch ready or something, I'll, I'll watch that. From no time disrespect. To time. Drew mm -hmm. Carey just doesn't have what Bob I, had. I I agree with that, but I will say I think Drew Carey does a pretty good job. He's not Bob Barker, Bob, Bob. not at all. But I think he does a a pretty good job. And then uh, with Jimmy Buffett, do you were you a, a Jimmy Buffett guy? I wasn't, and there was a couple times when um, I stopped at a vacation spot, and mm -hmm. there was a Jimmy Buffett concert nearby, and the people that he attracted there, I was so impressed with how many types of people yes very down diverse with the whole you yeah. know drinking partying oh, having yeah. fun thing he did a lot of collaborations like later on in life and he's got a song like knee deep that's with the uh, zach brown band that's awesome you know there's so many good songs and good music and it's just that kind of music that's like vacation exactly. chill puts you on a you know He's got that get drunk song. So it's like all about having fun. That and, was his uh, brand. Exactly. Can, so. can I ask you about a baseball thing? Yeah. Do you care? No, please. All right. Saturday show, someone hit me with a, a technology question about yeah. baseball. And there was an article about uh, baseball was entertaining the sensor. Um, mm. So, you know, spikes, uh, balls and strikes. Um, the computers and sensors could determine whether or not the umpire was wrong okay and calling the balls and strikes sure what are your thoughts on whether or not involving technology in a human endeavor my first initial thought is it's going to get there i think eventually there will be some sort of robot umpire behind the plate for balls and strikes i think i think you need those normal regular umpires out on the field um, but I think for a good reason, safety every now and then, like, and I'm not talking like once a season, I'm talking like probably 20, 30 times a season, you see an umpire, like get hit with a foul ball, get knocked out, something like that. So maybe for personal safety, that not might not be a bad idea, but also a consistent strike zone yeah. because that is the most baseball. First of all, I think is the hardest sport in the terms of hitting a baseball. And these guys, so many of these pitchers can throw 100 now, but they also have a curveball, they have a slider, they have a knuckleball, whatever, a, a, a split finger, change up, whatever it might be. They got all these different pitches and their ball moves like crazy. So it is almost 
too difficult to expect a human being in like a split second to call a ball or a strike. It's hard enough in little league baseball or high school baseball. But then when you're talking about like next level college, high school, or I'm sorry, college professional, I think it will probably get there. Will it? Uh, probably. I probably, well, how, but how what many do you questionable calls decided games? Uh, probably a lot. Ton. Yeah. That'd be hard. That'd be a hard number to quantify because it's like, you know, there's some calls that happen in the first inning that might affect something that happens in the fifth inning. Exactly. If you, if you're up and you're noticing the umpires calling, uh, you know, the outside pitch for a strike and you know, it's a ball, but they're going to call it a strike. It's like, you're probably going to swing at that. Yep. So if, you know, hypothetically you're up in the first inning, you get called out on that pitch. You're like, I'm going to swing at that next time. So maybe you swing at a, a ball you don't want to, and you hit into a double play or, you know, something happens. There's a lot of like little butterfly effect things that happen over a course of a game that could change it. Um, and and the batter has so much that can affect the strike zone. How many hacks will be in play? Right. You know, to minimize what the strike zone equals. I mean, exactly. There'll be walks like crazy. What, so what was your answer to that? What do you think? See, I, I like accuracy and data. Mm -hmm. So if it's accurate, I mean, we can mm -hmm. make a formulation. I don't like taking people out of the equation just for the sake of doing it. Mm -hmm. But if, it, if there's a way to say, here's a standardized strike zone mm -hmm. and here's what qualifies as it, then you, you don't have a subjective perspective you know what i mean calling something that a game might hinge on yeah agreed agreed i i think there's a lot of you know i'm not someone that wants to go to the grocery store and go through the self-checkout line i want people to have jobs so i don't want like you said to take away jobs for the sake of taking away jobs i want accuracy i want data points and if it is more accurate What's the harm in that? I, I think go for it because if it now here's another question and there's a lot of probably intricacies. It's not as simple as just like, okay, here's the strike zone because you have to adjust for height for, um, you know, different types of movement on the ball. Like obviously it's going to be a standard, you know, show, you know, you're supposed to be from the letters to the knees and on both corners of the plate. But um, again, for Aaron judge, who's six, seven, has a different strike zone than um, Jose Altuve, who's five five. You know what I mean? So will that will that go into effect based on like how they're crouched down? And you know what I mean? Will that factor in? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, if it's any more accurate, like mm -hmm. if it gives you one percent more, you know, accurate, I then, think it would be a heck of yeah, a lot more than that too. I think it would be like noticeably different, like 20 percent. Um, and they're probably talking on the margins if it's seven eight percent better that's that's probably worth looking into right. and it's i would say without looking at numbers or anything i bet there's more than seven or eight percent missed calls uh right. in, in and i baseball. bet you pitchers will love it and yeah. batters will hate it but i i am i would say i'd be now here's another thing too you have to think of now the home plate umpire like will you know, call someone safe or out at home. They'll also like, you know, rotate, you know, for other calls and throughout the line. So how would like a play at the plate be judged? Would that be by like an eye in the sky? Or? Well, if I were doing it, I'd put a sensor in the ball, sensor in the plate mm -hmm. and a sensor maybe in the bat or something on the player. 
Okay. And then that way it would register strike zones and then where the ball actually appeared and whatever. You'd still need a human being for judgment calls as yes, far as timing I, and when things happen. I agree. And then you still have instant replay. Right. So you're really expediting the game. The other thing that I maybe don't like would be the arguments between the managers <laughs> and the home plate umpire because those are some of the best things in Tommy baseball. Tommy Lasorda, baby. Exactly. He was the best. He was so good. Um, the Pirates used to have a guy that would like, uh, Lloyd McClendon, I think was his name. He would like rip up first base and throw it. <laughs> Lou, um, oh, Lou Pinella was another guy. The old Baltimore Orioles coach, I can't think of his name, but he was just like a legend for that stuff. So, uh, well, we got to still invent like Roby the robot that the managers can come out and beat on the robot or something. <laughs> yeah. But it'd be one of those things. It's like once that's installed, it's like there's no arguing balls right. and strikes because yep. who are you arguing with? You know, exactly right. so, but I, I think that's a very interesting course of action that could, that could very easily be in place in the next 10 years yep. in baseball. So that will be something we should definitely keep an eye on and yeah. monitor. I, I like that. I think, and, and I'm really not opposed cool. to even on the football field, putting a sensor in that ball. There is a sensor a in the ball. I found out. Whoa. There is a sensor. So spotting in the ball. can be censored. Now in the NFL, it's a little known fact that there is a sensor in the ball. People don't know that there is. And if you, if you don't believe me, Google it because there is a sensor in the ball and Roger Goodell even referenced it in a press conference last year. Do you remember Baltimore was playing Cincinnati in the playoffs okay. and the Baltimore quarterback, I think it was Tyler Huntley reached over to try to get the ball in the end zone. And one of the Bengals players hit it out of his hand uh, and Hubbard for the Bengals took it the other way, like 100 yards or 97, whatever it was, for a touchdown. Roger Goodell uh, said something like, oh, well, the ball, the chip in the ball said uh, he was still like six inches away from the goal line. Ooh. So as I, I'm 99% sure there's a chip in the ball unless Roger Goodell just slipped, had a slip of the tongue or I don't know. Just maybe it was BS and I don't know, but, but I would say Google that because I'm pretty sure there's a chip in the ball, uh, the football. So, well, even without chips, they've got a million cameras on that field. Mm -hmm. Them getting it wrong is the most absurd thing. One ever. of my biggest pet peeves in football is um, they still have to use the chains to come out and measure. <laughs> it's like, like maybe, okay, let's say you get a first down at the 29 and three quarter inch line just move it up to the 29 or 30 or whatever. And like, make it, you have to get to that beginning of that next hash, you know, that mark. So just my opinion. So mm -hmm. we, I I'm very, the baseball thing intrigues me. I'd like to talk more about that in the future. Okay. For sure. Um, one more baseball note, since you brought up baseball, Ronald Acuna jr. One of the best players in all of baseball. He got married last week and became the major league baseball's first 30 home run, 60 steel guy on the same exact day actually hit a grand slam in that game as well. So one of the best players gets uh, married and um, becomes the first uh, thing in baseball, 30 and 60 guy. And then finally, Joe, on Thursday, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, Battle of Ohio. We got mm -hmm. the Bengals coming into Cleveland and the Browns. I... I'm all on the Browns hype train this year. Joe Burrow is going to play. 
Denzel Ward, we're not sure if he's going to play. We'll see about that. But uh, this is from McNeil on Twitter, and I love this graphic. I just threw in the Ohio thing up there, but you son of a bitch, I'm back <laughs> in. Here we go. So for the record, I have the Browns going 10-7 and seven this year. Um, like I said, I could see him the very floor, I think, 8-9 and nine, based on injuries and health and stuff like that. I think I think they could go um, – 12 and five as well. So somewhere in between. So I went with 10 and uh, 10 and seven. So we'll talk plenty more about the Cleveland Browns on Thursday. Do you have a record prediction for the Browns, by the way? I, I don't want to get into okay. that, man. All right. Really what I want and what I think are Just, really different. Yeah. Now. And maybe don't, yeah, maybe you don't want to jinx it or anything like that. So, um, and then the final thing, this is a must win next two games for the Cleveland Guardians. They play the Twins, who are there, are now six games back of, uh, I believe. And they, if they don't win, their season's over. Or actually, they're five games back. So they win the next two. They're only three games back with about 30, uh, 25, 30 games to go. If they lose either of those two, they're done. So um, Guardians go out and get the win. And then finally... Here's our guests coming up. Uh, I will tell you when those are coming up, uh, but we have Mitch Davidson, YSU quarterback, Dre Rushton, uh, running back, Mike, uh, Max Tomzak, Bryce Oliver, Aiden Parker, RJ Johnson, Jake Benino, and uh, Jake Benio, excuse me, I pronounced that wrong, and Michael Voidis. So those are eight guys we have scheduled. And Bo Polito. <laughs> yeah, we need Bo Polini. <laughs> Bo Polini, we will get at some point because, and we'll talk about the NFL on Thursday. But for Joe, I'm Justin. Uh, we appreciate you watching. Make sure to follow, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. It helps us out. And uh, we will talk to you on Thursday. Thank you for listening to this show on Youngstown Studio. If you like our programming, we invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow our Facebook page, or subscribe to your favorite podcast platform like iTunes or Spotify. This is original Youngstown content, and we 